everybody welcome to a corner conversation we are talking about the book of acts and we are continuing our conversation with the stoning of stephen we're back we are guess what what it's the i feel like we're missing a lot because it's just the three of us it's It's, gonna be less good it will be less good i feel like this was really normal a month and a half ago, just the three of us still. But now, yeah. Rich and Rachel, when they're not here, just, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> wow. It's been really cloudy and gets dark at noon now, so Zach is in a different spot. I mean, listen to angsty music. <laughs> yeah. That's what fall, that's what fall does. Is it still fall? It's still December like 21st. Oh, it doesn't feel it's like fall. End. Yeah. It doesn't feel like fall today. We are moving into the winter. It's the end. Yeah. yeah. I, I, do you like really cold and sunny? Or if this winter is when it's like warmer, so like 30 and cloudy? I like as long as things aren't wet. Mm-hmm. I don't mind if it's like 30 as long as the like snow is dry. I hate when stuff starts getting... Yeah, that's the thing in in the middle of winter is when it if it's if it's warmer it's wet it's cloudy yeah it's mm. and then when it's zero sometimes zero can just be great to be out in if it if it's like yeah if it's sunny and dry even if there's snow on the ground and it's cold I feel like I can do stuff but I don't want to be wet yeah I learned yesterday this woman posted a video to YouTube about Yakutia or Saka it's a city in I bet you're pronouncing it right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yakutia. <laughs> it's a city up in Siberia that okay. is insanely cold. And so I think Minnesota is cold compared to growing up in Michigan. But these people in open air markets all winter, this woman, she said kind of like jokingly like, oh, today's warm. And it was mag- negative 51. So this is something Fahrenheit? that you would identify with. This is what you would identify with. Because last night at our dinner at our house, uh, one guy who was there that you haven't met. Um, he's from Alaska. Oh yeah. And which you're from. Where did he come from? Anyway, he said it was the the <laughs> southern. I'm trying to get there. Is it no. It was southern. He said it was rainforest ish. Yeah. And so he said that it's not nearly as cold, but it rains 300 days a year. Southern like Juneau, like West Coast, because that's where Juneau is like. Yeah. Towards the south, right in the edge of Canada. Catch a can. Yeah, catch a can peninsula. I would assume it's like Get northern can. northern Seattle. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's kind of like Northern Seattle, just like way more depressing, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> yeah. It's fun to visit, you know. Don't live really? there. Don't live Is it, there. Are there mountains there? Yeah, it's a cool place. The mountains it's run a, straight into the water. It's a very small city, but there's plenty to do. Good restaurants. You can take a tram up the side of Mount Roberts, and you, you ride this cable car slowly up this mountain, and then you can hike. It's cool. It's a, I, I've not been to Alaska, yeah. but I've been in Canada quite a bit. And, like, I'm assuming that in Alaska, like, if you get to a town, like, the size of Stillwater, you're like, this is big Huge. town. <laughs> Juneau is not big for anywhere else, but yeah, it's big for Alaska. It's, is Juneau bigger than Ketchikan? It's, uh, I don't know. They're not too far from each other, are they? I don't remember. But they're all way under 100,000 people, right? Yeah. Juneau is not doing a lot of the 
same stuff that the rest of Alaska is for commerce, I don't think. They're think like tourists, whereas everyone else is just fish. Um, fish. Well, the coast. There's yeah. a lot of Alaska that's not on the coast. I yeah. think... I don't know. Yes. Somewhere, in the last, somewhere in the last weeks, I was reading. I don't think Fairbanks is doing fish. It might have been Juno. One of the they dig really deep. It might have been Juno that has like two hundred thousand tourists a year that had basically went to zero because there were no cruise ships last year. Yeah, Juno's the big, big first stop. I used to go Seattle. when we would visit my grandma. I would sit on her balcony and watch cruise ships have to get pushed around by the little tugboats because they would yeah. they would either get stuck or just they're too big for the harbor. Yep. That's fun. Yeah, can you imagine uh, if in a smaller town, if having a coffee shop, that all of a sudden there are all those people that you expect to come every day, or none of them come for an entire year. Juno's... It might have been way more than that. It might have been like two million. Mm. I don't know. It was. It was a crazy number that they had no cruise ship traffic, which they usually have every single day. Different cruise, multiple ships come in. Juno is a whopping thirty-two thousand people. Wow, it is so smaller than Stillwater. Uh, I bet Stillwater is thirty-two thousand. Ketchikan's smaller than Juno. Ketchikan is where I flew in when I went there. Stillwater has nineteen thousand people. Okay, so Juno is two. Two Stillwater. Two Stillwater, which is yeah. very unimpressive. <laughs> <laughs> It probably feels like two still waters. Anchorage, Anchorage is big. But you can... Ish. The it's like 200,000. There are 300. Talk, way framing. It, it is a framing moment because if what other state that is really far away, do you know towns of 32,000 that you've never been to? Right. None. No. But Juneau, because I mean, there are no other places. Maybe some like state capitals out west could be smaller. I don't know. Yeah. Like, is Montana as a capital still like Billings? How many how many cities do you know in Idaho? I think there's thirty two thousand people in Billings in Montana. Period. Right. Yeah, that's pretty small. Well, today we're in Axe. <laughs> <laughs> I was really interested to see how that was going to happen. I don't know. There is no transition piece for no. that. And just like how the towns are very small, back in the time <laughs> of Axe, there were very few people. Uh, Jump back real quick to Alaska. <laughs> I was born in a uh, coastal city that you could only get to by plane or boat. Cordova, 2,800 people, at least now. How'd you get there? <laughs> Did you take a plane or a boat? When I was born. I was born on a plane. <laughs> and then we moved to a town of 1,800 people when my sister was born. Also on the coast. I thought you, she was older than you. No. Are you sure? Three years younger. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you just didn't know. Yeah. Anyways, Axe, <clears throat> small community gets bigger. That's where yeah, we're going. It's getting Stephen. I think today. When? How do you guys measure? Or what? Well, how do you measure if God is? okay with you or not okay with you have you ever struggled with that measure never never okay no <clears throat> you two are the polars so if if greg is no <laughs> Zach, yeah absolutely yeah so what is the what is the worst part of that or what is some of the growth points you've had in that? uh i think the worst point comes to the <clears throat> point when you realize that through scripture we see this per like picture of a perfect god and then it leads me to the point of well, if he's perfect and I'm not, and I can only he can only be okay with me if I am either being like him or like doing really good at things. I'm never gonna get there. 
which leads to isolation hmm. and just trying to run away. Um, Why, how, I get the importance of like, again, very Christian-y words, but like sanctify, being sanctified or sanctification, the idea of being perfected. Yeah. And not perfected through grace, but perfected eventually to a point where you're not separating yourself from God anymore. Mm-hmm. And so how, what's the healthy way of navigating that we should try to live good, but also not be crushed when things don't go so good? Yeah, I always bring up the example because it's where I'm at in life, but I tend to think in terms of my relationship with my kids, that whether my kids are doing really well at something or my kids are doing really poorly at something, objectively, my intention, even though I fail at it sometimes, is that my kids would know what I think about them all of the moments. Mm -hmm. That they would have trust in my care for them in all of the moments. And so when they're doing well, they can know that they're doing well doesn't like somehow make them in a better light for me. Yeah. When they're doing poorly, it doesn't take away my love and care for them. Do I still want things for them? Yeah. Do I still want them to be able to grow, to learn? Are there still things that I don't want them to be doing because I know it's not good for them? Definitely. Do you think that, so I mean, I get that. I think there's a lot of value in being confident and love no matter the circumstance or the situation or the performance. But things do change if, you know, you're, you're, we know, Greg and I know that your personal feelings change from a easy day with your kids and a not easy day with oh, your yeah. kids. Yeah. And, <laughs> And so, I, which, do you, is that true with God as well? Say more. Like, does God, like, when, when God gets fed up with me, that his feelings well, that change? Because, ex- I mean, when we're hard to have relationship with, when we're running from God, when we're, sure. whatever. Does, as a parent, you feel different things. Yeah. Your love is stationary. Yeah. Hopefully, that's the goal. Yeah, and and it's the goal that it would be known, but what about the feeling? What is God feeling in those? Yeah, moments? I don't know. I think it's really interesting to go back through the Old Testament and to see this picture of continued love, but then also continued, like God saying, essentially, I am fed up with you. Yeah, like you're what we'll get into a little bit, like or stuff that I read this week. God calling His people stiff-necked people because they would continually run from him. And for whatever reason, they would they would run. And there's points where, yeah, he just says, I'm, I'm gonna let you, that's it. There's, I'm gonna let you be on your own. And yet, no, I won't actually. So I think God- That's so complex. Yeah, it's messy. And I would say God probably does a more perfect job at not, for me, I can be driven by emotions. I just don't know that God has that experience. Because hmm. he's God. Yeah. Sure he does. I think there's something to it. But it's. I think in my process, I'm learning how emotions are really helpful sometimes. But they're not, they're not to be given the keys to life. Here, you take over. <laughs> That's really bad. Yeah, and <laughs> I do think, like what Greg is alluding to, is that I... I I do think we see throughout scriptural, biblical narrative that God is emotional. And I think we have, for sure in our Western 
I don't know, whatever culture we're in, we have a defaming of emotion and feeling emotion, whether yeah. we like it or not. Yeah. We would even say, uh, just you said it, to be ruled by your emotion is something that is fought against. And then where does that, where does, are we good at knowing where emotion should be felt and where it should not rule us? How do we know where that line is? I don't think we're really good at that. We get to learn more as we grow, I hope. I yeah. guess that's what I've seen. Like, yeah, I think I'm in a, even though I haven't perfected it, I'm in like a, I feel like I'm in a healthier place today than I was a year ago, five years ago. And I mean, pick anything. It's not just emotions. I think as humans, we have the ability to grow and change, which is really good. Um, yeah, we've come to... Stephen gets martyred in the what we're looking at, Acts chapters 6, 7, and 8. And in our background in this is that replicating who Stephen is isn't really the point. Uh, replicating the message that Stephen gave, the audience is unique. It was uh, these Jewish Jerusalem insiders. And uh, so there's a lot of things that are contextual that aren't necessarily transferable to us but one thing that we just kept coming back to is that um, this is a moment where it can feel like everything is really off the rails and it's over mm. and like in the context of time Jesus was with his disciples in this resurrected form which is hard to wrap your head around and then Jesus goes all right I'm giving you the task Go to Jerusalem, Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You're going to, in Matthew, we see, you know, teach them everything I've taught you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. They like this declaration. And there's some wins at the beginning. And this had to be, like, <laughs> this was, well, we gave it a good shot. Yeah. And I think that's how, again, I'm, I would not, I don't want to give any illusion that I've, face the brokenness of somebody being martyred to my right or left. Mm. And I spit on once. That's pretty close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I wish that, and how badly that we wish we were there. <laughs> I need to get that on the list somehow. That belongs on the list. But, but the thing is, is that uh, I think that there's a degree of fragileness surrounding Christianity followers of Christ that when we go things are pretty good and we go God loves me and this is all great and then something goes off the rails and then we go I'm not good enough I'm failing mm -hmm. God doesn't exist I remember very this is just a specific example because it can get so twisted I had changed my car oil at college out in the parking lot and somehow <laughs> which is by the way is great compared to the time that you were changing entire engine yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so continue. Yeah. I must not have got the filter on. Either it was too loose or too tight. and Or I double gasket. Or I just didn't have the, fil the filter on. And I went to drive away and all my oil ran through my engine. And I just remember in that Did moment... Did it lock up? No, I just started to pull down the parking ramp. And as I backed out, I oh, saw... Good thing you backed out. Yeah, I was backing out. Um, and I just remember in that specific moment, this would have been my like first year at North Central 2008, I remember feeling like it was like spiritual warfare. Wow. I remember feeling like, yeah. God, what's wrong? Like, what did I do wrong? And like yeah. literally that I felt like I had done something wrong and God was punishing me somehow. <laughs> yeah. How twisted that is. 
Yep. Like, and now I like, there is no part of me that feels that way. And I do it with other <laughs> things, maybe. Well, because uh, for me, the illustration in that is that if I spill my coffee, I don't go, why God? <laughs> but somewhere, when different degrees of things happen, it's very easy for me to, you know, like if it's, sometimes it's just internal, sometimes it's in relation with other people, sometimes it's things not working out. Often, as a pastor, it's when nobody comes to something. Mm. Not just less, nobody comes to something. Yeah. <laughs> the same will be like, well, God, I guess if I was a good person, this would be okay, but you're judging me. Yeah. And so where that line is, I think it really bad at. And if Stephen being martyred and the followers of Jesus being scattered throughout the region is it's pretty tough yeah I don't think the scripture New Testament narrative does a really good job at communicating emotions per se because no. it's just not the point but put it in context like if one of you guys were killed murdered why I would, would I be the one that was I would, killed I would, I, would, I would weep after Zach <laughs> And Zach got martyred just because he fell off of something he was climbing on. <laughs> no, I'm saying like specifically. Scott's yeah, yeah. way more likely to get martyred than If me. somebody took, took your life, <laughs> it wouldn't just be like, a, oh, that's so sad. Let's keep moving. I, I would weep. Yeah. And Thank you. If I died, Greg would weep for a lot less than I would weep if he died. But, well, know. happens. <laughs> can't do anything about it. Can't change it. Yeah. So there's like, there's that. That it is a really human experience that happens in these moments as this church is being built in Acts and Luke writes again as a doctor somebody who is writing all the facts doesn't write about emotions per se but I think there's a lot that comes through as to what community was doing at the time um, and just yeah all the things that we could take out of context and make about it but I just see that like Stephen really trusted God well Mm -hmm. And community really had grown to trust each other well. That when mm -hmm. this moment took place, uh, the people gathered together. They trusted one another. They mm -hmm. trusted God. And they kept walking forward. And I want that. When mm -hmm. we have loss, when we have suffering, when we have pain, if we framed it poorly to think that, like, oh, God's punishing us, let's grow into something better than that. And then when things do happen, to be able to have that community response of, like, wow, this really sucks this person that we lost or this thing that's happening for this person it's really hard to yeah weep with each other to uh, be with each other and to keep walking forward I think that's really what I got a lot from this week as we were writing yeah. and thinking because um, the reality is none of us in our current cultural context are probably going to be martyred for our faith it could happen I don't know I don't face persecution for my faith ever maybe a little bit but uh, I just think, what are the things that feel hard yeah. uh, that happen around me, that are happening to the people in my world? So I think, so third person or externally, it's very easy for me to you or other people to you or whatever to go, man, that hardship you're facing, it's really, God is using that to accomplish as well. Yeah. That's, a, that's not a great thing to give to somebody else. <laughs> and it's very easy in this moment to go, uh, this, and it, while it was... To go, oh, it's so great that God used this moment to get people to reach out to the ends of the earth because they were just going to hang in. It's true. They were going to hang in Jerusalem. Yeah. They're going to reach to the, they're going to present Christ as the Messiah to a local group until this moment happened. It just scattered people everywhere. Yeah. But uh, 
we're going to end with two questions that what are the risks and or dangers of seeing pain or suffering as God's will? And so this is like real intense theology because again, there are a lot of people in our communities, our world that would say, uh, how could a God that is good allow pain or suffering? Hmm. And then, uh, so we ask that question, you know, what are the risks or dangers of seeing pain or suffering or challenge as God's will? But on the same, like in the same breath to go, how have you seen pain and suffering impact your faith, your trust in God, your connection to God? Hmm. And so those feel like like uh, antonym questions. Like they're, if, if you see them as like, well, that's, looking in two opposite directions, I think we have to see those together. Hmm. And to really see that as one moment to see that, listen, I, I can't see all pain and suffering as being God's will, but also I have to see that pain and suffering is so important in me seeing who God is yeah. and trusting him. I think it's so much complexity. Yeah. I think the framing of what we think pain is and the framing of what we even think blessing is yeah. has to continually be questioned. At least for me, I have I don't think I've come to a good definition of what pain and suffering really is for me or what blessings really are for me because I still don't know how involved God is in the day-to-day process of life as mm. far as like pulling strings. I believe he's present, but I grew up in a church culture that said God was directly making things happen and if I couldn't see it it's because I was just not living close enough to him and I just think that that's really broken yeah and we I see more of this picture of this God who is walking with us he's decided to partner with us and invite us to follow him and that there's times where maybe he looks like he's a little bit closer as we're working together maybe there's times we're doing things and we can't necessarily see where he is yeah um but I, how does that all, yeah, as relationship grows, how does that grow? I think, I mean, this is a stretch even outside of what we've talked about, but when I see the idea of the creation narrative and then God resting at the end of it, mm. is that God trusted what he made that he didn't have to be still making it that day. Yeah. And I think so much of our life is that God is trusting what he's created. Yeah. And uh, so to the complete engagement in God, his interaction in our lives, yes. Yeah. God's complete power, yes. God's also letting his creation happen, yeah. yes. And so like all those things, it's mind-bending. And so if you just say, it's very simple to be on the extremes. God is controlling everything or God is controlling nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, it's probably not those extremes. Yeah. Because then God is either the hero or the villain. Yeah. Yeah, almost even more than that, I feel like it's God, It's both of those things. Like, God is fully in control. He knows what's... He's, like, just outside of time. <clears throat> knowing what's hap- what's right. going to happen is happening. Right. But then also fully empowering us to make choices. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't... It's hard in our brains to hold both of those things together. Yeah. But I think that's, like, the tension of... Yeah. Of how God works mm. in our lives. Joe was watching this documentary last night about people who had near-death experiences. Oh, great. And she, as she watched, it was just fascinating to see that all these people who had these things, the way they talked about it was that they could almost see time as if it didn't exist and that almost every moment was happening at once. 
so that they had these pictures of themselves in the operating room they could see their like spouse in another part of the hospital that all these moments were congealed into one and i wonder if that's because god like outside of time and so even back to the... We have a 4D God. A 4D God. <laughs> Outside, like... The, 4D the, printer? The creation narrative, the moment where God rests on the last day, he probably knew that Adam and Eve were not, like... They weren't going to live sinlessly. I think yeah. whatever the creation narrative actually happened, God created humanity with the knowledge probably that humanity was going to have failure and still chose to rest and... His goal for us was never uh, human perfection. Yeah, we're even going to mention this, is that, I mean, God knows, and think of the different characters in Scripture, from Adam and Eve, like you mentioned, but Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, the pre-exile, exile, exile, resettling, all this stuff. God knows that uh, he could go, yeah, I was looking ahead a little bit, (laughs) and, uh, whew, you guys don't do so good, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna adjust everything. I'm gonna fix everything, or I'm gonna make it so that you can't do anything and I just do it. That that has never, in biblical narrative, is never what he does. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, but, um, I think that if anything is building in the picture of Acts, is that there's imperfect situation. Welcome, welcome to the world. And imperfect people, that's going to be the reality of relationship with Christ. And in the midst of imperfect people and imperfect scenarios, God is. And what does that mean for me? Is that, well, when things are imperfect and I'm imperfect, does that mean that God has abandoned me? No. God God is. And does that mean his will is accomplished or not accomplished? I don't don't know. But he is. And so I have to get to a degree of comfort in that I guess yeah it's 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 an important conversation because it it, we can from the distance of time and distance of not being related to Stephen we can have this moment like that's so inspiring that Stephen died but like you said earlier is that if, if this scenario was in our own church community yeah we would probably go See you later. <laughs> scattered. Yeah, we would be scattered. And that doesn't mean it's over. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining the conversation. We'll see you next week.